Hello and welcome back to Mental Health Spot. This is your girl Oli speaking. If you are under the age of 18, please consult with your parent, guardian, and a trusted adult before continuing to tune in to my podcast episodes. Well, first of all, I know it's been a while since I've been on here and I do want to apologize. Um, There's been a lot going on and I know that's no excuse because this is my safe space. And so I got to make the time. So thank you guys for your patience and for continuing to tune into my episodes. It really means a lot to me. So today I want to discuss a super hot topic, a TV show that a lot of Generation Z has been watching and of course the millennials as well, um, Euphoria. So I just finished it in its entirety and I see a lot of TikToks and Instagram posts about, you know, what would we, you know, what would we as a therapist diagnose um, the characters? Like, how would we diagnose them? How would we diagnose Rue? How would we diagnose Cassie? And so I have brought on the ever controversial Fernando to help me dissect and analyze some of these characters. So Fernando, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to stick to really exploring some of the main characters and their dynamics. And so I want to I want to go ahead and start with Rue. Fernando, what is your assessment about Rue? She's a drug addict. Correct. And she's uh, suffers from depression, probably bipolar. Um, that's about it, in my unprofessional opinion. Okay. When you see the show, and I probably should have said, spoiler alert, like if you have not seen the show and you have an interest in watching the show... You should probably stop listening to this until you've watched the entire uh, two seasons. So, do you feel like Rue had a psychological dependency on drugs, a physiological dependency on drugs, or both? Both. Why do you feel that way? Psychologically, because it helps her to feel normal to deal with the loss of her father to deal with the uh i guess everyday stresses of being a teenager and physiological because she's gotten so used to it she needs just to operate normally got it so my feelings about rue because a lot of people have said oh does she have bpd she bipolar what's going on so if you go back to the beginning you see that she has a lot of repetitive behaviors and was diagnosed with some form of OCD. And so I believe this is my assessment of Rue. Um, again, it's subjective and open to interpretation. Um, I believe that the OCD created some distressing, intrusive thoughts that were irrational in nature 
and provoked by anxiety. And I think that as a result, she turned to drugs as a way to cope with the irrational thoughts that she experienced as a result of the OCD. Not sure if y'all are familiar with the fact that some forms of OCD do cause intrusive thoughts and the intrusive thoughts are often very distressing um, and they're very irrational. They're not based on anything real. Like an example of an intrusive thought is what if I'm secretly evil? What if I'm attracted to children? What if I'm a serial killer? Um, what if I jump off the nearest bridge? Like things that are completely nonsensical, right? But they're so distressing and it can be hard to govern and maneuver through that. And so if you see the show, you see that she is on medication, but it may not be the right medication or it may not be sufficient. And I think she self-medicates through the use of drugs. And I think after doing drugs for a significant amount of time, the frequency in which she did the drugs and the intensity of the drugs that she was doing because she kept on, you know, taking it up a notch and doing harder drugs and harder drugs and harder drugs. I think that is when she developed the physiological dependency on drugs where you see that she has like the physical withdrawal symptoms, the, you know, nausea, the shakes, the fever, etc. So I think it's really interesting to note also that losing her father, she did lose her father, is also, you know, a major trauma that she experienced and she was definitely going through some kind of complex grief disorder. But I really want to start at the beginning and focus on her initial diagnosis, which is the OCD. And that, to me, I believe, because of the distressing, anxious thoughts, she self-medicated. What are your thoughts, Fernando? I agree. She self-medicated for her uh, depression, for her issues, and... As she started to self-medicate through use of drugs, the drugs were no longer serving the purpose of making her feel better or calming her down or relaxing her. And it escalated to she took more and more drugs and harder and harder drugs and mixing drugs and alcohol and with each other to the point where she has a uh, developed a serious drug dependency. It was very triggering for me personally to watch her because I lost my best friend to an overdose. And I think I've referenced that quite a bit on here throughout different episodes. And so it was definitely very triggering. They even kind of look similar, um, the main character and my friend who passed. So it was a little bit hard for me to watch. Um, Let's move on to Cassie. So my perception of Cassie is of someone that is... Of someone that is an approval seeker by her very nature. Sorry about that the recording moved a little bit um an approval seeker by her very nature i think that cassie wants to be loved i think she wants to be accepted and i think that she will take that love and that acceptance from wherever she can get it i don't think that she is very picky about who is providing it i think she just needs it from someone and you see that she has a relationship with mckay 
um, for a little bit. And then eventually, spoiler alert, she sleeps with her best friend's uh, man, Nate, and ends up falling in love with him. And I really think it was circumstantial. I don't think it was ever about him. I think it was the fact that she was in a low uh, place. Uh, McKay wasn't really claiming her. He wasn't really showing her off as his girlfriend. He was kind of downplaying their relationship. And so Cassie, you know, ends up in a situation with Nate where they end up hooking up and he starts to give her all of this approval and, you know, all of these accolades and, oh my gosh, and you're so hot and this and that. And so she starts to feel worthy and starts to feel like, oh my God, maybe all along it was him that I was supposed to be with instead. And I think as the show went on, she started to recognize that he wasn't filling that void for her either. Because his affection and his love for her was very, very conditional. And it was, um, he, he often withdrew affection at, at his convenience. And so it was very inconsistent and it was very hot and cold. And so she started to recognize that she couldn't continue to fill that void through him. What are your thoughts about Cassie? I don't think there's anything wrong with Cassie. Um, and I think that you're wrong when you said that, you know, she just circumstantially ended up with uh, Nate. Uh, the show clearly showed that she was putting a significant amount of effort and waking up early and making herself look pretty so she can get Nate's attention. And it also mentioned that what would have happened if he would have noticed Cassie first instead of uh, Maddie, which is coincidentally, he just happened to have noticed her. Maddie is the more aggressive, assertive character. She liked it. Uh, she liked Nate and she pursued him and that's why she got him. But all along the while, before they were together, Cassie was passive aggressively trying to be beautify herself and make herself look pretty to gain his attention. Obviously, when he started dating her best friend, she backed off. But something inside her triggered her and made her you know through circumstance i don't think she did it uh purposely i don't think it was maliciously they did like i said like she said spoiler alert they just happened to have met outside of a gas station and nate started to talk to her and be nice to her and she finally got some attention from the guy that she's been liking since uh, i don't know since forever and she went with it uh, it was the attention that she had been longing for, for from that man for a very long time, even before he started dating her best friend, Maddie. And when she received that attention, she she took full advantage of it and at, at the expense of betraying her best friend. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with her. She just capitalized on an opportunity and had... Nate never spoken to her outside that gas station and flirted her and gave her the time of day. She would have never pursued it. I don't think she was malicious in sleeping with him um, at all. But I do think that it's more about receiving love and romanticizing him. I don't think it's about him. I think she romanticized the situation and was like, oh, my gosh, we're, you know, star-crossed lovers and we were meant to be this entire time. I think... She romanticized the situation to A, justify what she did to her best friend, and B, to make herself feel better about herself, just in general, to make herself feel 
um, validated through him. I think being intimate with him was a form of validation for her, if we're looking at it more deeply. Um, But thank you there for your feedback, Fernando. I appreciate that. Um, Moving along to Maddie, what is your take on Maddie? Maddie is... um she's aggressive impulsive she's narcissistic she's controlling she's a a person who's used to getting attention being in the spotlight and she's used to getting what she wants and she's very much an alpha okay yeah so as far as maddie i think that you're right i think she comes across as the alpha she kind of comes across as the queen bee of the entire group of friends i i can definitely see that but i think that that's a facade and i think that she's overcompensating for a wounded inner child i think that on the inside she is actually very soft and very tender and very just soft-hearted and i think that she is very guarded and i think that is why she's portraying this persona of I'm a badass and I'm and I'm this and I'm toxic and I'm impulsive. I think that that's all for show. Um, I think that that's all for show because I think that she genuinely isn't that person. I also think that being in the relationship with Nate, which was a toxic relationship, I think they both just brought out the worst in each other. I think they were just a bad fit. And it was clear that it was a bad fit. And I think that also showcased parts of their personality, both Nate and uh, Maddie, that were probably not within character for them. But I do think that Maddie, although she tried to be the queen bee and alpha, I don't think that was who she really was. I think that Maddie is hurt. I think that Maddie is suffering. And I think she overcompensates for that pain by trying to be very, very brave and very out there and very outspoken. What are your thoughts on Nate? I love Nate. Oh my God. Can you be more specific? Nate's a typical alpha male. Um, And apparently throughout the show, they've shown that he has some sort of perhaps gay or bisexual tendencies like his father did. Um, does uh, not not to know if that's hereditary or not, but um, he may be trying to overcompensate for this uh, his questionable uh, sexuality. He may be questioning sexuality and maybe overcompensating by being uh, ultra masculine or alpha female, alpha male. Um, he comes across as a very domineering person. Um, he's confident in his his looks and his abilities and. And getting women is not difficult for him, but uh, he just pretty much uh, he's he's violent. He has tendencies. He he's impulsive. He wants to get his own way, and and then all those uh, qualities that he has naturally are exaggerated by a feel to compensate for the fact that he's questioning his sexuality. Well, I think that's an interesting assessment. I do I do want to say how much it broke my heart to watch Cal, Nate's father, spend years suppressing his sexuality. Um, It's very sad. It's very, very sad. And then it it resulted in some, you know, deviant behaviors for him. 
and some inappropriate behaviors for him. But when you look at his history, it does talk about how he suppressed his, his true self, which was a gay man. And so as far as Nate, um, it does, you know, allude to him questioning that. And I think maybe seeing or getting the confirmation that dad is in fact gay, maybe was confusing for him in some way. Um, and dad over overcompensated for being a gay male by trying to come across very toxic masculine. And I think that that is who Nate tried to be, the very definition of a toxic male. You know, girl, I'm a caveman. You know, I don't have feelings. It's, it's, it's not okay to cry. Uh, we need to tighten up and not be a little bitch. Well, why basically. is it that you refer to Cal as a gay man? Um, why is he not a bisexual? Well, yeah, that's also a possibility. And, that he could and, be bisexual, but that was not really ever really... Um, explored so we shouldn't make we shouldn't really make the uh, assertion that he's gay we shouldn't and plus the the people that he's had sexual intercourse with uh, besides his wife have all been um, transitioning women and uh, men transitioning women so if the transgender so if they if they um, identify as women then he's in a heterosexual relationship that is correct. So, However, so here's the thing. Let's just, um, Fernando, I'm going to need you to get up a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> um, Fernando was like laying on top of my foot just now. Um, so as far as the transgender topic, that's a whole different thing. Um, and I want to, you know, I want to just say like, yes, if, if Cal was in a relationship with a transgender woman, then that would be a heterosexual relationship. However, um, in the beginning of um, Cal's story, it is seen that he fell in love with um, his male best friend who happened to be a cis male, cisgender male. And so that is where I referenced that from. But you're right, he could very well be bisexual, pansexual. Either way, I'm here to celebrate it all. He right? might be gender fluid. Well, that would be different. That's a gender identity, not the sexual orientation. Correct. So don't don't mind Fernando. Yo. He's still getting the hang of a the <laughs> gender the gender education here. I gotta I gotta you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Spruce him up on it. So, anyway, um, so with that being said, I I went on a tangent about Cal, but going back to Nate, I think Nate very much tried to be girl. I'm a toxic male, like look at me, I'm tough, I'm bad, like, uh, I'm aggressive. And he very much tried to overcompensate for, again, a wounded inner child and a misunderstood little boy and someone that possibly was questioning his own sexuality. Possibly since he found out that his dad was, at the age of 11, he found that his dad was having these affairs with transgender women. women men um and it's possible that he blames his father for his him questioning his own sexual identity and this is the animosity that he has with them with his father so i want to make sure fernando that we're being very clear because i do have an audience that listens to me and so when you're saying cal was in relationship with was it transgender women or transgender men men transitioning to women so then and if that's the case, 
and someone's sex, which is what that's referred to, sex, biological sex, is male, okay, and they are identifying as woman they are transgender woman that is the appropriate way to say that yeah so she he witnessed uh recordings of his father with transgender females um transgender women yes transgender females and uh that may have uh of 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 hurt him or it may have confused him and it made may maybe he uh maybe he blames his father for his uh, sexual um, curiosities or his uh, okay. his question his sexual identity that would be interesting um, and there are studies that say that you know that those things might be hereditary um, I think the studies are more related to like twins um, there have been studies done about twins uh, that if one twin um, is gay or lesbian the other is more likely to be gay or lesbian Again, don't quote me. It's just something I've read in passing. Um, but, but I do feel like a level of the animosity that Nate has for his father is because his own, uh, sec- his own questions about his own sexuality and figuring out that his dad has the same uh, proclivities, I guess. Got it. So um, I want to wrap up with Lexi and Kat. So let's start with Lexi. Um, I think Lexi... No Jews? Oh my gosh, Jules! Yes, Jules! I love Jules. Um, okay, let's go. Let's go for Lexi first. So Lexi, to me, comes off as a very by-the-book character. Um, she's very, you know, sort of mild-mannered, and she's kind of a background character. And so I think it was very interesting to see her sort of step up and show the world who she really was and what her thought process really looked like because I think she always kind of felt like she was living in her sister's shadow. Her sister being Cassie, very attractive, larger breasts, you know, um, she was always comparing her body to her, um, to Cassie's body, etc. And so I think she finally stepped out into her own and came into herself and started to show the world like, this is what I think and this is how my thoughts look. What do you think about Lexi? I agree. She's been overshadowed by her much prettier sister, um, who gets more attention than her. Uh, Cassie looks like a person who's more of an intellectual, of an introvert. And um, Cassie she, or or Lexi. Lexi, Lexi. Okay. Sorry, is the Lex is the introvert and more of an intellectual. And she's just played the background, and you know she's she's obviously thinks very deeply because she has this whole alternate reality in her head about uh how everything goes which she kind of exhibited in the play that she uh, put on for the high school um another spoiler alert but um yeah i mean she's definitely been overshadowed by her by her sister and and not even even during the show lexi has been a uh secondary character until the very end of the season in which she becomes more prominent um you know for most of the i think it was designed that way on purpose for most of the show i didn't even know who she was i just referred to her as cassie's sister so uh, fernando talks about cassie's being the much prettier sister because he has a huge crush on cassie so please forgive him if that offends anybody um he's just a big cassie fan he thinks she's super sexy which hey i think the entire cast is just gorgeous but um anyway 
moving on, let's do cat and then we'll end with jewels. So cat, what I find really interesting about cat. So cat being um, a woman after my own heart, right? Because I see cat and I see myself, you know, the pretty overweight girl, right? You know, attractive, good looking, overweight girl doesn't really fit in with her friends because her friends are not the same size. And so she feels this sense of pressure to be on the same level as them and everyone's just hooking up and losing their virginity and having sex and so she feels this pressure to do that and then when she starts to do that and people start to respond to that and actually find her attractive it's almost like she's surprised that people could find her sexually appealing and she starts to really just play into that and I think it's, again, a lot of overcompensating for low self-esteem. I think that she starts to realize, wow, people actually think I'm pretty. People think I'm sexy. People actually want to sleep with me. And I think that realization sort of changed um, her trajectory. And then you see that she ends up in a relationship with actually a partner who was healthy and like, like a healthy partner, not a toxic partner, who was loving and supportive and she didn't understand that and she didn't know what to do with that um, because I think that she is struggling. What are your thoughts? I think that Cat um, has low self-esteem and that uh, she is by far not as pretty as her friends uh you know for several reasons and she doesn't have what society will call the ideal body right mm-hmm. she's a little bit of a larger woman and uh she is the person who uh, at the beginning of the show had the least amount of male attention um she started to explore her sexuality uh, by coincidence and she found that there were a, a genre of men, people who liked it, you know, who she was and, you know, her proportions. Uh, you know, there are fetishes out there. And she started to play into that because, uh, you know, it made her feel empowered. It made her feel strong. It made her feel sexy. Um, and, and then she started to kind of play into that and assume this role of a person with more confidence because she starts to receive this attention, uh, attention from, from people. All right. And I just want to say, first of all, being attracted to a larger person is not necessarily a fetish. Um, I think that attraction looks different for different people. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm um, talking particularly about the fetish of her doing her webcams and the males that okay. she's... Right, right, right. No, yeah, I get that. But I just want to say, like, what Fernando's talking about, her not being as pretty as her friends, that is open to interpretation. Watch the show and see what you think. I think she's actually just as pretty as her friends. She just happens to be heavier than the rest of the girls. And because she's heavier than the rest of the girls, there is that, you know, self-esteem issue that follows because of flawed and skewed societal standards of beauty. So remember that Fernando is extremely blunt and has no filter and he is controversial and that is why I bring him on. I don't think she's attractive. Well, I do. With that being said, um, let's end with Jules. So Jules was a really cool character. Um, She's actually a transgender woman in real life. We thought it was just for the purposes of the show. So it was cool to see that. 
Um, I think Jules has a really beautiful and free spirit. Um, I think that Jules was really just trying to find her place in the world, trying to find her way, um, trying to form meaningful connections. What do you think about Jules, Fernando? Uh, well, Jules, she's a tranny. Um, and I mean, I like her character, um, her, her, his character, whatever it is. And, um, you know, the, the, sh- the show shows that from an early age, uh, the Jules, as a boy, decided to transition at the age of 13 with the full support of her father. And, um, you know, she's trying to give it a go as a transgender woman in school. And in, it seems like she's doing well because, uh, I mean, she fits right in with the girls. Uh, I don't think she has received any kind of pushback about no, her her gender and so has the people in the school there was one scene in which i ha- i have no idea has to do with her gender her gender identity uh in which nate got aggressive with her i i don't know if it had to do with anything of that but secretly he has some sort of attraction to her because he does have some proclivities and he does he, he's questioning his own sexuality but Jews is an interesting character um and she's passable as a, a woman because i that she was a woman when I first saw the Okay, Fernando, thank you so much for your feedback. As usual, you are just lovely. I um, am. I want to just point out that if Nate was in fact attracted to Jules, he would be attracted to a woman. A woman. So that wouldn't be him exploring his proclivities or whatever it is you're saying. So on that note, I'm going to wrap this up because Fernando... Well, can I ask a question then? I'm curious about something. No, no, no. Be curious on another podcast. I am trying to keep my listeners and keep them happy. Keep them loving my podcast. And if if anyone listeners have any kind of issue with what I what I say, just know that it's just my personal pain. I'm not trying to be mean or rude. And you can always email me at Fernando Felipe Fernandez at gmail.com. It's <laughs> not even your real email, dummy. <laughs> All questions and comments. And it, and it, and if you want to dox me, I live in uh, Marion, Illinois. Um, okay. First of all, he's lying about everything. But the point is. If you have any issues with what he's saying, he is more than open to hearing your feedback and to engaging in a meaningful discussion with you. And I'd like to last say that I am an ally of the LGBTQ community. I don't fully understand the terminology or anything like that because I'm not a part of that world, but I do support them and I'm 100% on board with them. So anything I say, don't misconstrue the fact that I definitely am an ally of, of, of those that group of people. Even though I am a, you know, cis male. Cis heterosexual male. Cis heterosexual male. Yeah. Yeah. We're still, I'm still trying to teach him the difference between gender identity and sexual orientation. It's a little bit of a gray area for him sometimes. But yes, we are both major allies for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, that goes without saying I would not be marrying someone who wasn't an ally. So let's put that out there. Um... But there are some things that he still doesn't understand fully, and that's okay, because he's open to learning about it. And that's why I love him, even though he says things that are so controversial. I'm squeezing him right now, you just can't see. Anyway, thank you, Fernando, for sharing your thoughts about, you know, the people that, um, the characters of Euphoria. 
And I really look forward to hearing what you guys think, you know, of the show. I mean, the show is a big deal. Everyone's watching it. All my clients are watching it. I just finished it and I just can't wait for season three. So let me know what you think about my assessment and Fernando's assessment of the characters. Thank you again, Fernando. You're welcome. All right. Sending love and light to everyone. Mwah.